Hello, and welcome to Where Have All the Children Gone? This is a deep dive true crime podcast that looks at the evil that affects our children and may be difficult to listen to. It contains graphic and mature themes, which some might find offensive and is not recommended for young children. Unfortunately, most of the information surrounding the crimes revolve around the perpetrator. I want to make it clear that this podcast has no desire to ever provide any limelight to the perpetrators of these crimes, and I try to find out as much and present as much as I can about the victims and their life before the murder. Our focus is to make sure the people are made aware of the crime so the victim is never a forgotten person. The contributors to this podcast are PBS.com, Lessons from History, Excerpts from interviews given by Debbie Cuevos Morris, KnoxTennesseeToday.com, and court documents regarding this case. That being said, my name is Allie, and it's time for crime. So grab a friend, sit back, and listen to the true story of 18-year-old Faith Hathaway, 20-year-old Mark Brewster, and 16-year-old Debbie Cuevas. The year is 1980, and we're in Manville, Louisiana. Faith Hathaway was the 18-year-old daughter of Elizabeth and Vernon Harvey. Her family lived in Manville, Louisiana, where she attended high school. Upon graduation, she enlisted in the Army and was scheduled to join them on May 29, 1980. The night before her enlistment, Faith was out celebrating with achievement with her friends. At about 4.30 a.m., as she was walking home, she was offered a ride from Robert Lee Willie and his friend Joseph O'Connor. Men offering her a ride home were in reality monsters. Hathaway never made it to her home in St. Tammany Parish. Instead, she was taken by William Vaccaro down the Gorge Run Trail to Frick's Cave, a secluded area near Frankleton in Washington Parish which actually resembles more of a gorge and perhaps one of the most unique landscapes in Louisiana. It was in this secluded gorge that Robert Lee Willie and Joe Vaccaro raped, tortured, and murdered Faith Hathaway. Both men raped the victim, and as one of them held her down by her hands, the other one stabbed Hathaway in their throat a total of 17 times. This beautiful girl was snuffed out and a wonderful national treasure of Louisiana was soiled in an instant by these two animals. Initially, the authorities could not locate Hathaway's body, but did manage to find her purse and clothes. A day later, during the continued search for Hathaway, a wadded-up note was discovered some distance from the actual murder scene at the bottom of a steep embankment leading to the cave area. The note was found near the clothes, and words that were written on it were, quote, you never find her, unquote. Unfortunately, there were no fingerprints on the note. On the third day of the search, June 4th, 1980, in Frick's Cave, near the Bogue Cheeto River, a young girl's lifeless body was found about a few hundred feet south of the clothes that were found earlier. The body was later identified as Faith Hathaway. By the time the men behind this crime were identified by the FBI, the FBI discovered they'd already been arrested by the time Hathaway's body was found. 
The police had arrested Vaccaro and Willie in Hope, Arkansas, for crimes utterly unrelated to Hathaway's brutal murder. Willie and Vaccaro had been arrested and were under charges of aggregated rape, kidnapping, and attempted murder against individuals unrelated to the Hathaway crime. A mere three days after savagely murdering Faith Hathaway, the two men kidnapped Debbie Cuevo, 16, and her boyfriend, 20-year-old Mark Brewster, stating that they only wanted their car and their money. Debbie was an honor student, a cheerleader, was in student government, and her big plans for after high school was to escape her small town. While she and her boyfriend were parked near the river sipping milkshakes, two men parked a white pickup truck nearby, got out, and walked toward their car. You know these folks? Debbie asked her date, but her date turned too late. One man put a revolver to Brewster's head. Then Debbie felt the hand of another man around her neck. He pressed a sawed-off shotgun against her cheek. The men forced the couple into the back of Brewster's car, promising to release them outside of Covington. When they stopped, however, they pistol-whipped Brewster and locked him in the trunk of the car. Then Robert Willie turned to Debbie and said, quote, Time to get in the back seat, Blondie, He's, and take off your clothes. Willie raped her while Joseph Vaccaro held her at gunpoint. The two men drove Debbie and her boyfriend to a wooded area near Mobile, Alabama. They stopped the car and took Brewster out of the trunk. They ordered Debbie to take his place and said to her, quote, Anything y'all want to say to each other before he goes? Asked Willie in a mocking tone. Debbie stated, quote, Mark looked at me and said very softly, I'm so sorry. She said, I tried to smile. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about me. They then took Mark into some woods. They hung him up on a tree burned him with cigarettes, cut and stabbed him, and then finally shot him in the head and left him for dead. They returned to the car, laughing and making animal-like screams that echoed in the woods. Having stuffed Debbie in the trunk of the car, they drove back to an area near her hometown of Madisonville looking for drugs. Over the next two days in a trailer home, they raped her many times. They tortured her, they abused her, they taunted and threatened her. At one point, Vaccaro began rambling, Debbie recalls. He stated, quote, I sure hope what happened to our last girlfriend doesn't happen to you, unquote, he said. Why? What happened, she asked. Oh, it was terrible. His voice took on a strange trance-like tone. I don't know what happened, but it was real... Shut up, Willie interrupted. Ain't no need to talk about that. But Vaccaro continued spilling the details about a woman who was, quote, all cut up and stabbed in the chest. The murdered woman he was talking about was Faith Hathaway. This time, William Vaccaro returned to the remote area with Morris, and Willie said, relax, we're just looking for a place. He did not elaborate as for what. En route, however, an elderly black man and a young boy on foot with fishing poles appeared and abandoned the road. 
The old man smiled and waved, unnerving the, her abductors. Willie cursed the potential witness and stated, quote, I'd have run them niggers over, unquote, he said, but he drove on. Morris never saw the old man and boy again, but ever since then, she has been hard-pressed to deny the existence of angels. After deliberating with Vaccaro by the river, Willie raped Debbie again, and then they drove her to a trailer home of a third man, Tommy Holden, where Vaccaro raped Debbie at Willie's insistence. Holden also made advances, but panicked when Cuervos told him that she had been kidnapped and raped by his cohorts. Holden later forced an argument about her fate. Now comes the next miracle. Debbie heard Willie say they should lock her in the trunk and set the car on fire. But later he agreed to take her home. He stated, quote, we're making a big mistake. We're all going to end up in prison over this, unquote. Willie threatened to kill Debbie if she went to the police. And the men released her near a Madisonville area cemetery and sped off. She ran across a river bridge all the way to the town's grocery store, and she called the police and her mother. She then took the FBI and the others to where she remembered Mark was, and they found him alive. Another miracle. Unfortunately, Brewster ended up paralyzed from the waist down due to the injuries caused by the gunshot. When Holden, Willie, and Vaccaro were captured in Arkansas, Willie and Vaccaro were returned to Louisiana to stand trial for the murder of Hathaway. The FBI agents asked Willie why he had not killed Debbie too. He said, quote, when he looked in her eyes, he saw love. He said, I just couldn't kill her. Unquote. Willie changed his tone a little bit about Debbie, however, after she testified against him. According to Debbie, he made a lot of threats against her. He told someone in an adjoining cell that his ambition was to get out and kill her. He was going to escape. He was going to find her and cut her into little pieces so her own mother wouldn't recognize her. Willie tormented the victim's mother and stepfather, Elizabeth and Vernon Harvey, during the trial by declaring in court how much she enjoyed raping their daughter. Both defendants had admitted to police officers that they had abducted Hathaway, but each accused the other of raping her and slashing her throat. In Willie's testimony, he stated that Vaccaro stabbed her while he just held her down. While Vaccaro's statement said, quote, Willie jugged her and jugged her until she begged us to kill her, unquote. The jury found Willie guilty of committing or attempting to commit aggravated rape and first-degree murder. The jury further felt that the nature of the crime committed was particularly horrifying and brutal. They felt a crime committed with such immense levels of cruelty should have a punishment that equaled his crime. For Willie, it was a death sentence that would relegate him to the same fate of his unfortunate victim. In the sentencing hearing for Vaccaro, the jury was unable to reach a unanimous verdict, which is required for a death sentence. And the trial court imposed a life sentence without benefit of probation, parole, or suspension of the sentence.
After being convicted, Willie also pleaded guilty to stealing $10,000 worth of marijuana from and murdering Dennis Hemby in 1978. He committed this crime with his cousin, Perry Wayne Taylor. As you may have guessed, both of them appealed their sentence. Vaquero's appeal listed 22 heirs, all of which were determined to lack any kind of merit. So his sentence stayed. Now in a death sentence, it's an automatic appeal. And Robert Lee Willie's initial appeal, his conviction was conditionally affirmed. But the sentence of death sentence was vacated. And the case was remanded back to the trial court to determine whether the printed note found near the murder scene created a reasonable doubt about his guilt. And if not, two, to hold a new penalty hearing by a jury. Now, the note was unsigned and printed on a scrap of paper, which read, like I mentioned before, quote, you never find her, unquote. Tess revealed no fingerprints, and Willie denied printing the note. Willie's counsel, however, did not engage a handwriting expert because investigations indicated it would be futile. But Caro was illiterate. The trial court determined there was no evidence that one connected the note with the crime or Willie, two showed who wrote the note, or three when it was left. The trial court, after hearing the evidence, found that the note had no significance and did not create a reasonable doubt about Willie's guilt. Immediately thereafter, the trial court commenced a new sentencing hearing. A jury was impaneled and evidence was presented by both the state and the defense. Following arguments by counsel and instructions by the court, the jury retired to deliberate. The jury found two aggravating circumstances. One, that the defendant was engaged in the perpetration or attempted perpetration of aggregated rape. And that the offense was committed in an especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel manner. The recommendation of the jury was that the defendant be sentenced to death. As as Willie continued to appeal... He was tried for the crimes against Cuevos and Brewster. During the trial, Willie mocked the victims by blowing kisses at the woman he raped and drawing his finger across his throat in a menacing manner while Brewster took the stand. And then he grinned. Both Willie and Vaccaro received life sentences for these crimes. As you would expect, Debbie Cuevos Morris was left traumatized by this horrific incident. However, she finally survived by learning that forgiveness is more powerful than unforgiveness. Debbie's journey towards forgiveness of her abductors was a long one. After an ordeal ended, she survived massive depression, severe PTSD, drinking heavily, and feeling like a complete failure. The Rape and Murder of Faith Hathaway by Robert Lee Willie became the topic of a book and movie by a title I know most of you will recognize, Dead Man Walking. The book was written by Sister Helen Prejean, who based her anti-death penalty book on her experience with two death row inmates, one of which 
was Willie. When the movie came out, based on the book, Debbie contacted Sister Helen Preji, the nun who counseled Robert Willie in prison and who was the focus of much of Debbie's anger. But after speaking with Sister Helen, Morris was able to use her Christian beliefs to learn to forgive. Dead Men Walking was published in 1993. The movie followed in 95. The film led to a rapport between Debbie Cuevos Morris and Sister Prejean. Debbie stated, I owe a lot of gratitude to her, Morris said of the nun, who later earned a Nobel Prize nomination for her crusade against the death penalty. She did something for Robert Willie that I never could have done. She went to him and personally told him about God. She never saw the brutal, disgusting person that I saw, and I didn't see the person she knew in prison. However, unlike the movie character, Willie expressed no remorse for his crimes against Debbie Quenos Morris. On the night of Willie's execution, Debbie was bound and determined to forgive him before he died. She stated, as much as I hated the thought of him dying hating me, she said, I realized it might be just as bad for him to die with me hating him. There was no one to tell but God. Lying there in bed in the dark, I began to pray. Lord, please help me deal with whatever happens tonight. I really do forgive Robert Willie as best I can. If the execution goes on, please make it fast and painless. I don't want him to suffer anymore. If he dies tonight, health is death to heal the Harveys and their pain. Amen. With that prayer pronouncing her forgiveness of Robert Willie, she gained an emotional release, a sense of freedom. She said, somehow it cut me loose from the control of Robert Willie that he had over me for years. And she fell asleep. Willie was executed in the lecture chair on December 28, 1984. Willie's last words were addressed to the parents of Faith Hathaway and Vernon and Elizabeth Harvey, who became known as Louisiana's most ardent supporters of the death penalty. He stated, quote, I would just like to say, Mr. and Mrs. Harvey, that I hope you will get some relief from my death. Killing people is wrong. That's why you've put me to death. It makes no difference whether it's citizens, countries, or governments. Killing is wrong, unquote. When the hood was placed over his head, Willie asked that it be removed, and he winked at Sister Helen, who was present at this, as his spiritual advisor. Then the hood was replaced. Willie was electrocuted in the large oak chair dubbed Gruesome Gertie for the 1980 murder of Faith Hathaway. Willie's execution is notable at the time as he was the 32nd person ever executed by the United States government. Debbie Cuevos Morris asked Sister Prejean if Willie showed any remorse before he died. Helen Prejean shook her head sadly and said, No, and you know, Debbie, I'm not sure he was capable of that, unquote. 
When she was asked how she felt about Willie once he was executed, Debbie stated, I think that although I had a lot of feelings, the main feeling I had was relief that he was never going to be around to hurt me again. I was going to be able to go let go of some of the fear. It was, however, very conflicting for me because it was hard knowing that a person was going to die, perhaps because of some things that I said in the trial or my role in it. I felt some sense of responsibility. I was definitely for the death penalty at that time, and I wanted him to die, but there was no happiness, no joy in that at all. I think just because of the responsibility that I felt, I didn't feel like it was my fault. Just that I had a role in it, and it wasn't a good feeling, knowing that I had anything to do with something that eventually would lead to somebody's death. Debbie Cuevos Morris ended years of anonymity with her 1998 book, Forgiving the Dead Man Walking, an autobiographical response to both the movie and Pre-Jean's book. At last report, she lived in Knoxville with her husband, Brad Morris, and worked as a realtor with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. They had two children. Brad is a corp- was a corporate or is a corporate jet pilot for Pilot slash Flying J. And she eventually was able to get on with her life, graduating from LSU and being a special education teacher for 30 years. She stated in an interview that, quote, crime victims and their families need to understand our own healing is not contingent upon what happens to the predator of that crime. We have the freedom and the ability to heal and to find joy in life, regardless of what happens to the perpetrator of the crime. It's not his punishment or lack of punishment that ultimately matters. Unquote. I was unable to track down any additional information on Mr. Brewster, but I did track down that Willie's cousin Taylor pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the murder of Dennis Hembley. Hemby, excuse me, and it, and it served a 21-year sentence for the murder. Vaccaro remains in prison because he's serving multiple life sentences, and Holden committed suicide by hanging several years after the trial. Rest in peace, Faith Hathaway. We will remember you. You will not be forgotten. Well, that wraps it up for this story of the dead man walking. Um, it's very interesting how likable in the movie they made, uh, Willie, but he actually killed, like you see here, killed multiple people without remorse, and he wasn't likable, but even unlikable people and people that are evil still have that possibility through God to repent for those crimes obviously Willie didn't repent for those crimes and that was his choice be sure to hit that follow button so you know when the next story drops and this is Allie signing off for where have all the children gone podcast be sure again to hit that follow button if you have any questions or suggestions you can contact me at true crime children all one word true crime children at gmail.com Until next time.